Alright guys, welcome back to Duke, Duke Basketball Junkies. I'm here with my one of my older friends, uh, Peter Rao. What's going on, Peter? How you doing? You consistently call me an older friend, making me feel old. We're in our 40s. We're in our early 40s, guys. <sighs> but uh, we shared a freshman uh, hallway in the Pegram Dormitory on the East Campus of Duke in uh, the fall of 94 through the spring of 95. And so, yeah, we're old friends, uh, and somehow we still talk to each other. We're coming at you Tuesday night, 24 hours after the Virginia Tech game. Yeah, so uh, basically we're going to talk about the last three games, uh, the trajectory of the program, sort of what we think's going right, what we think's not going right, what we still have to work on, and we're going to look forward to the North Carolina game on Saturday, and then, of course, the ACC tournament. Senior night. Senior night and the Carolina game. Uh, real quickly, just to recap the last three games. Last time we talked to you, we were coming off a, a three-game win streak. And now we're coming off two out of three, winning two out of the three last games. Two home games against Louisville and the Cuse. Uh, two games where we held them to, uh, to uh, we continued to hold teams to relatively low-scoring title totals and... Uh, then we went on the road against Virginia Tech, and we lost a really tight one where we led most of the game. They came back at the end, and um, I think some old habits came back to bite us a little bit at the end. What, how are you feeling generally about this three-game stretch, Peter? Talk to me. Did anything change? You know, we had this five-game winning streak. Certain somebody wasn't in the starting lineup. Then that certain somebody got started back in the starting lineup, and then we lost. <laughs> Okay, you're a um, you're a Ewing theorist on uh, Marvin Bagley. I'm I'm not. Or are you just throwing it out? There? I'm just I'm just. That's one thing to talk about. Poor attempt sure. at humor. Okay, so you don't think that's a real thing? You still don't think it's a real thing? Um, we're certainly better with uh, Bagley, but I thought that uh, analyst Dan Dakich came on like really strong against him. Like just he just came down and laid the hammer down, called him like... selfish, and he's all about me, but. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was like, but, but, but not I'm, completely I'm, yeah. devoid of a point. It, but it was but like, it was way it was very well, harsh. Yeah. But I I won't lie, during that stretch where we didn't play with them, I mean, my mind went through like, what would this team have been like if Bagley were still a high school kid in California? Like, what yeah. would what would the team be like? I mean, here's the the thing that's not fair. I mean, Bagley. So of course, it's not fair to I mean, Bagley. Bagley didn't control Gary Trent being cold the last couple games and Grayson yeah. Allen. Missing shots and the, the turnovers from the, the perimeter players, ton, ton of and turnovers. some bad decisions. Like that wasn't on Bagley. I didn't think Bagley played a particularly awful game. Yeah, they they did maybe, you know, they hit some corner threes where he was sort of that was his side of the zone. He's still not a perfect player, but and he didn't have as dominant a game. But he's coming off an injury, uh, so he probably doesn't have his legs under him as you know. Yeah, but like I didn't think he played that poorly. And I don't think he's the reason. I don't. I really don't think he's the reason they lost the Virginia Tech game. I can tell you the reason why we lost. I can tell you five <laughs> reasons we lost. Coach K is the reason we lost that game. You want to just go through the five reasons we lost the Virginia Tech game down the stretch? No, I mean it's we could point in yeah a bunch of things. You can go ahead. All right, they're they're playing pretty well. He puts in Alex O'Connell late in the game. The offense all of a sudden flows really well. Spacing is great. They got three three-point shooters on the floor, and whether they're hitting the threes or not, it requires the defense to be honest. And he, as soon as he puts Duval back in the game at the end, uh, the last four minutes, uh, they're collapsing down. They're able to double at will. They don't. They they don't. They're not. The floor isn't spaced. And then uh, Duval was sort of caught caught flat-footed on transition defense a couple of times. So that's one reason. Coach Case. You know, and, and the other part is the if we're going to blame Coach K for something, is just not subbing out Gary Trent or Grayson Allen. You need fresh legs to hit three pointers, especially on the end of a three game stretch. And what was it, five yeah, days? It was, it was a quick. Days? It was a quick turnaround. It was yeah. A four, I mean, that Syracuse game, even though we won by sixteen, that was a pretty tough, ugly game, um, and I think it took a lot out of them. That's yeah, I think so too. I mean, we were lucky Syracuse didn't make that many shots. Yeah. Like, you know, but but like I thought we played really good defense. That was our best defensive effort. Like the the Louisville game. Yeah. Here, here's the the thing okay. that's going well. Sure. We're causing turnovers. The the pressure, the backward pressure is working. 
decently well. We're not giving up tons of easy baskets. It's still happening here or there. Yeah. But uh, until that last stretch of the Virginia Tech game, I thought I was ready to come on here and just talk about the how great we are defensively. Just how how good we've been playing. I don't know that I'm we're not, great. I'm not I don't totally think we're, I'm not ready to say I'm we're not great. totally sold on our defensive ratings right now. No, I'm not ready to say we're great at defense. All of a sudden, it's a strength. But I, I was willing to come on and say, hats off to the coaching staff. And still, I'm going to give them credit. Kudos. I love the decision to, to just only play zone. Yeah. This team was not capable of playing man. Right. Not capable of learning in one season, and they're all gone after this year. Uh, and, But, you know, there's, there's still issues. There's still issues. So I, I, hats off to them in general for bringing this team up defensively. But Coach K got on his press conference and uh, – I almost thought about playing the audio from it. He basically talked about they lost the game because they were tired. Yeah. Right? And he didn't meant he didn't say, like, hey, you know what? I'll take the credit for this one. Here's the things I did wrong. We had a three three game stretch over five or six days against three good teams, and I played I played Grayson Allen and Gary Trent thirty nine and a half minutes a game. They don't have legs. That's why they didn't have legs and didn't make shots on the stretch. It's not those kids' fault. That's my fault. Coach K didn't do that. I was surprised. Now, he wasn't blaming them. He was blaming the schedule. Yeah. But, like, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know why he doesn't take some, some more responsibility. Yeah, I mean, he definitely said that, which begs the question, well, why don't you just play the starters fewer minutes and the bench more, especially considering that the bench is playing so well. Um, the bench is playing pretty well, but yeah. I, I feel like he was just sort of saying that as a preface, and he might not have even well, really believed it. His overall point, his bigger point, his wider point, was that this is not, like, this loss does not mean the team is not really good. And yeah. he's proud of his yeah, team. Of course. They're playing better. He likes this team. He thinks they're really good. And they lost to a that really was, tough Virginia Tech team on the road that was at a the game. end of a three-game stretch. And so that, like That was a game we let slip. A lot of things had to go right for Virginia Tech in the last, I want to say, two minutes. There were many times where we had the ball yeah. up five points with a minute 30, minute 40 left with possession of the ball, with 30 seconds on the shot clock. You really shouldn't lose in, in those spots. We missed open shots. Missed open shots. We turned the ball over twice. Here's the other thing we did. We started holding the ball. Yeah. We started holding the ball. This is the other coaching there, thing there, I would say. There was, with, with That's four, the other thing. With four, four minutes, minutes left. When, when Duval came back in the game, they started holding the ball. No, no. Well, okay. Right? Like a little. There, three there, minutes. There maybe. was a time where Alex O'Connell tipped the ball out. We got an offensive rebound. Yes. With, with four point. minutes left. And again, over the last seven minutes of regulation, there, we didn't make a single field goal shot. Everything came from the free throw line. So our offense was dead. And I understand we have a seven-point lead and the ball. I can understand milking the clock for 30 seconds. But four you have and Alex, minute, Four and a half minutes left in the game. You have Alex O'Connell wide open in the corner. That's the most valuable shot in college basketball. And Virginia Tech was running. Grayson pulled it back. Yeah. Virginia Tech was running because they thought they were on offense. Yeah, we had a total of. We had, we had an O'Connell open for a three, and with a minute and a half in the game, you pull it back out. Yeah. With four and a half, five minutes to go in the game, you, it was a weird decision, and I, I don't want to blame Grayson for it because my guess is the bench was calling for it. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I, Maybe I, it was I feel a like he, he made the decision, and and I'm I'm okay with that. It wasn't the worst. Um, it was it wasn't ever, the worst, but but, yeah. but I did you know, every week I come in here and I. Praise Alex O'Connell. You probably think I'm Alex O'Connell's agent. <laughs> we love Alex O'Connell. But, but let, let, let me let but me. The tell numbers you, are good with him on the court. Let, let me tell you his numbers. It's a small size, but he's 21 of 39 from three. One of those threes was a three-quarter length, right at halftime heave. So he's taken 38 legit threes. He's made 21 of them for like 54, 55 percent. Okay. If he missed his next 14 three-point attempts, if he missed his next 14 three-point attempts, he would still be shooting over 40%. If he missed his next 38 three-point attempts, he'd probably be shooting the same percentage as Duval. As Duval. Who gets right. up three or four every game. And here's another thing to consider. He's shooting 54, 55%, 53% from three mm-hmm. in spot minutes where he's not even warmed up, where he's cold. Where he he's doesn't been look sitting, cold, usually. Where he's been yeah. sitting on the bench for like 35 minutes... He gets up and he has he has a trigger like a quick release. I mean, I just don't understand. Well, like that yeah. he moves the ball. The ball moves through yeah. him. He doesn't hold the ball. He's, he's he a, entered the ball into the post a few times. He's a good and willing and it, passer, especially yeah. at entry into the post. But 
when when we see the defender just when Deloria has the ball in the corner, they play literally ten feet off him, begging him to shoot a shot, right? Um, Trey is very good at attacking, but they also play off him. They're 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 baiting him to shoot also. Delorie does not space the floor on offense. I, I yeah, like him. I, I like him. I like, I like him. him. I like the way he hustles. I like the way his effort on defense and his rebounding. He he is really weak around the rim with the ball, and uh, he he also doesn't space the floor. Now Alex O'Connell spaces the floor. The ball moves through him very well, even when he's not as like one of your complaints about him is that he could take more shots. Yeah, he, he defers, but what what doesn't make sense is playing Trey Deval off the ball. Yes, and stationing him at the, at the corner three line, and he's not shy about shooting. First of like, all, he's he, gonna, shoot, he's gonna, he he's, shoots yeah. a lot of threes. He's going to take shots, and they're, they're not efficient shots for the offense. But the other part is. They're just not respecting his shot. Good teams are not going to respect his shot. They're going to yeah. they're going to be like, I hope this guy shoots, and they're going to slack off him, and they're going to make life tougher on Carter and Bagley and you know Bolden. Right. You know, so the offense flows better with an O'Connell in the game. And what was weird in this last game, the Virginia Tech game, is it looked great while he was in there. Who? What? Who? When O'Connell was in there from like eight minutes to four thirty, yeah. yeah, we we extended the lead. The offense was flowing well, and then he subbed him out. And it's like, why not just ride him down the? Why not? Why? Why? You know, Are you why, talking about? Why the, make the change? Talking about the first half or second half? The second half. He didn't play much in the first half. Mm-hmm. He was in the game from like eight minutes to five minutes. That that play you mentioned where he got the, he hit a three in that stretch. He entered the ball twice into the post. Yeah. we scored once. We got fouled once. Right. Uh, so the offense was flowing, and I don't believe du- now Duval has been playing He's had much moments, better defense but, lately. Yeah, in the zone, he he looks more comfortable. He's not without mistakes, right? But like, there's an argument at this point that Duval is the stronger zone defense player than O'Connell. Uh, Okay. Most of the season, yeah. I've been like Deval, such a minus. I mean, on he's defense, he's long and he's got quick hands. He's he's I, I can he's give you make, that. He's making more he's, deflections. He still he's doesn't taking, run back on D. Yeah, yeah. There was one play where, he, where I froze the the game. Me too. The one where he was uh, in the right hand corner, right hand side. He watched the shot go up. He watched the rebound bounce far off the rim. It got rebounded around the free throw line, and he just kind of didn't move. And it was one of the later baskets they had with like three minutes left in the game, two minutes left in the game. And is that the one you're talking about? No, mine was different. another one. Yeah, it was a transition defense where where he he committed to picking up a guy oh, at, yeah, at yeah, half yeah. court instead of going back and protecting the basket since he was the last line of defense. I saw that one just too. Like, I mean, just I don't understand what you're doing. He doesn't know how to do it. He doesn't understand what his responsibility should be. Yeah. He's not a great team defender, but. Within the zone, he's been playing pretty well. Those over those three games, I think he caught he probably caused ten turnovers. Yeah, a ton of steals. Yeah, so like he has improved greatly, and had shout out to. I, to I still him wish for the that. coaches would would, would like would tell would would sort of steer his shot selection. Look, if if there's twenty seconds on the shot clock, if it's a wide open three, go ahead and take it. But otherwise. You're just play to your strengths. Your strengths are attacking the basket, either finishing or dishing off. Yeah, I think they're probably telling him to shoot the, the the completely wide open three. Yeah, and I think they're just thinking that, you know, you heard him say it all throughout the season. They they feel like their bench is kind of kind of weak. I don't think they recognize how good O'Connell is, and I think they think that Duval the season hinges on Duval stepping up and improving. Coach K is trying to bring him along, and I just think he should be on the court fifteen to twenty two minutes a game, and O'Connell should be on the court fifteen to twenty two minutes a game. And they present different strengths yeah. and weaknesses. And when Duval's in the game, he should have the ball in his hands. You know, I don't. Yeah. He's not. A, he's. I don't understand why he's on the court. If he's. If he's. If he's, if he's stationed the on the three point line. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he is capable of penetration from from the weak side. So he better be doing that. Sure. You know. So I don't know. You know, I was I was really really heated after the Virginia Tech game because of uh, Coach K, and so far we haven't even touched on it. Which part? Like, I was furious after the game. I mean, literally livid. 
Something he did that yes. we haven't talked about? Yes. I haven't even... Apparently it didn't upset you at all. <laughs> I, just, I might not even remember it. There's been so many games. My parents were in town. I don't know what's going on these days. So with with uh, 29, 28 seconds less left, Chris Clark misses the layup. Wendell Carter gets the rebound. He's fouled. There's like 27 seconds left. It wasn't a shooting. We weren't in the bonus, so we had to inbounds it. Okay. Right? And we did, we're out of timeouts, but still you can substitute. Okay. Oh, 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 yes, 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 the, the yes. Inbound, the why is, why is O'Connell only, not in the game? They're going to no, no, foul. First of all, O'Connell was in the game, but he substituted Wendell Carter out and not uh, okay. Trayvon not, Duvall. Not Duvall. Okay. Duvall's our so, weakest free throw yeah. shooter. So my question is, yeah, O'Connell <laughs> sure. is, is in the game, but like, how can Coach K not understand? You have to get the ball to either Trent or Grayson. They're both 85-plus percent free throw shooters. It was O'Connell, I know, shooting like 71%, but it's very small. I bet his career is going to be like 85 to 90% free throw shooting. Listen, you're absolutely right. It was coaching understand. negligence. It was, it was, that he, that it was egregious. And not only that, I watched that inbounds play about four times. Uh, Virginia Tech was instructed to play off him. Just enough so he would be open. He could come to the ball. He would get the ball, and they would foul him. Virginia Tech. So they were they were coached spot on. They were coached spot on. I Virginia Tech very well coached. I too. have no idea how Trayvon Duvall <sighs> should not be anywhere close to the inbounds play. The inbounds play should go to O'Connell, Grayson, or Trent. You have three fantastic shooters on your team. Why would you inbound the ball to a guy who's got a very very shaky weak jumper? Doesn't make any sense. He shouldn't have been in the game. I agree. If with he's you. in the game, he should be inbounding the I ball. I agree with you. Like Wendell Carter shooting seventy percent, seventy-two percent from uh, the free throw line. Not only is he, I mean, I, I, Deval's shooting sixty percent from the line this year, but his shot looks bad. He missed, I don't think he, he's a sixty percent shooter. I, I, I thought really he was lucky to hit yeah. the rim on that free throw shot. I mean, there's so much pressure. A one, front, the front, front end, end of a one on one. Of course, you're right. Of course, they should run. They should have a set play to get Grayson out on the ball. He's that that's, good of okay. a free throw so shooter. So that, that, that's another thing. And you were mad last year when Luke Kennard didn't get the ball and Grayson Allen did because he was five points better. Something like that. Or ten points better. Right. But, yeah, to inbound the ball to a 60% free throw shooter, it, it, I, I, I agree. I, I, I forgot about it. So, so it's, it's a couple of days later now. So but it's one day later. <laughs> I was very, very upset. I was. Yeah. If we had done this pod yesterday, I would have been... I mean, no, that I've, was... I've settled down a little bit over the last 24 hours. Yes, but that... even even after Trey bricks it, Virginia Tech comes down. It it was almost sort of like they were a chicken with their head cut off. They were they were a little bit crazy, a little bit out of control. It looked like they were going to get off a very poor shot, and I was happy to live with it. Um, Marvin Bagley helped off his guy to go to an open um, jump shooter. He contested the shot, the ball was an air ball, overshot everything, but it went to Bagley's guy, Chris Clark, who puts it up. Okay, let's, we t- get, let's we talk get about... The ball, we get the hold on. We get the ball with four seconds left, right? Oh, before you get to the four seconds left, I want to assign a little responsibility on that play. Okay. It broke down. I was okay with the play. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. I was okay with it. I think that guy was go- probably going to get the rebound and probably score, but from the time that shot went up and Bagley jumped to block it, and again, here's another instance where a little extra wingspan might have helped, right? But he, he affected the shot, and the guy missed. The, the guy airballed. His the, he so overshot the basket. There's there's two Virginia Tech guys by the basket at yeah. this point. Besides the shooter, Carter's bodying up one of them. Right. We have Grayson Allen and Duval standing just sort of watching at the at the corner, like at the at the the at the free throw line, and like a little down the side. Standing, watching the shot. It's not a buzzer beater. Yeah. Either of them could have broken to the rim to get the one, the open guy to at least put a body on him. They wouldn't have gotten there in time. He yeah. probably would have rebounded. They could have fouled him. They um, could have easily gotten there in time. I don't to think foul you want him. to foul him in that spot. Huh? You don't want to foul him in He's that gonna spot. He's going to dunk for easy two. Yeah, you prefer to foul him. Make him earn it at the line. I'm just saying they could have tried to affect the shot. Both of them are watching. Okay. So, like, I remember, you know, I don't, I don't, staring at that play. Okay. There's a chance they wouldn't have gotten there, but they didn't move. Okay. They didn't move. That's bad instincts. Okay, inactivity. That's just the bad instincts that we've been talking when, about When they should year. be boxing out their guy. Okay. But the bigger error 
Go ahead. Yeah. So four seconds. Four seconds. Wild inbounds. We, we, and, we get the ball. Yeah. No, that, no timeouts. That's yeah. No timeouts. So but, you but, know, no timeouts. You know, you talk about Bill Belichick and the Patriots always being ready for any game situation that comes up. I mean. I'm sure they sort of practice this, but it does seem like any time there's three or four or five seconds left, we have Grayson or Trajan Lang or somebody just dribble the length of the court and just chuck up a shot. You know, whereas the ball me, is faster than the yeah. man. A pass, you right. know, a pass or two gets and, the ball down, down and, court faster. And Marvin Bagley almost, if there was just like 0.5 seconds yeah. left, would have made an unbelievably athletic play to win the game. Maybe we could file that away in our memory bank. If the situation comes up again, we could just alley oop it to him. Yeah, I didn't think it was that play. It was like you know awful. I mean, I agree. Like Grayson shot it a little early. Yeah, he could have taken another dribble okay. or two. But let me but then let, he would have. Let me you know. con- let me contrast it with say Villanova and Jay Wright against UNC in the title game. Granted, well, that was coming off a timeout. Granted, it was coming off a timeout, but that's a play that they practice at the end of practice every single game where. Yeah. Arjun Diakono came up with the ball. Chris Jenkins is trailing him as an option. Josh Hart is coming off a screen as an option. So, or Arjun Diakono could shoot it himself. So he has three options. Whereas we have Trajan Langdon falling on his face in '99. We have Grace Allen just, you know, and obviously people are going to say, "What about the Leitner plays?" and blah blah blah. Yeah, but it just. Well, let's face it. I, I mean, there's no way Coach K is as active and hands-on with like coaching up his guys as he used to be because he used to have to like eke every inch of yes. oozing you know every every inch of talent out of you know do you know who does guys. And do now that? now it's like easy breezy I'm John Calipari a little bit yeah I've, got, I've got three of the top <laughs> 10 NBA picks and I've got five first rounders they, in my starting lineup they so. don't run very interesting sets I was thinking that yeah. all game and even the Syracuse game where we didn't no, Our offense is like no pick and a rolls, little sluggish. No, there are no ball screens. There are, well, there are. They're just they're half-hearted. Bagley doesn't set a screen well, by the way. If you want to criticize him, and I, I think maybe the announcer got into it, but Bagley sets half-hearted screens quite often. He just tries to slip it. Yeah, you know, most of the he's time. He's probably not as also. He's not as strong. Yeah. As, as Carter, but yeah, probably doesn't I mean, want. He doesn't invite the contact. Right. It's you know Carter. Carter, by the way, has been playing really well. Carter's Carter's. Carter's an He's animal, good, and man. and he was really impressive in the um, the Louisville game. Wait, was it the Louisville? He's game? been impressive in every game on defense. He is stepping up no, the, from the weak the side. Syracuse He's challenging game. shots yeah. in the, the Syracuse lane. game right after all the yeah. FBI allegations and the the lunch with Christian Dawkins came out. You wonder how that might affect his game, but he played like an animal. 16 points, 10, 10 rebounds in a game that was very, very ugly where nobody could could hit an outside shot. Ugly on offense. I thought the defense they played in the Syracuse game was a thing of beauty. What what a, what a breath of fresh air. I had a friend of mine from uh, from my fraternity uh, post that it was like a really terrible game to watch. And I just replied, are you kidding? I've been waiting for them to play defense with that much effort and tenacity you know, all season for two years. Okay. And they really played hard. Held them they 16 chal- points in the first half. They challenged every shot. Okay. They they even rebounded pretty well. They weren't always boxing out. But uh, I thought Carter did a great job challenging shots at, you know, in the, in the high, from the high post and from the low post and helping on the defenders. I thought Bolden played great at, in the middle of the zone. Uh, and the guards were really active, really handsy. Bolden on offense? On defense. Oh, on defense. On defense. Yeah, yeah. I, so I guess I, I, I had a different so, take. Okay. Um, our defense has been trending nicely. Ken Palm somehow has his 13th best defense in the country. I can't possibly imagine we're the 13th best defense in the country. Well, the game's fast. Yeah, I guess people are scoring better these days. But and also there's been six or seven like straight games where we help people under, sure. what, 60, 65 points? 60 points. I mean, yeah, this against Virginia Tech was the first game – in six, I believe, where they scored over sixty. But let so me, I, let I me, believe in this defensive turnaround. Okay, let me, I feel like they're let me doing contextualize that. Do you think they're just getting lucky? Let me contextualize that. Okay. We played Virginia Tech twice. We played a Louisville team that was clearly dispirited. I mean, they had been stripped of their national title. Louisville looked they, bad. They, they Louisville looked awful. Looking that game. just shell shocked, yeah. like a shell of themselves. So we played them. We also played Syracuse. Um, 
I can't remember who else we played, but Georgia Tech, you know, in, 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 Clemson didn't shoot in well that against six us. game stretch. Yes, I agree with you. We're playing great defense, but we were, we played good defense. I don't know that we played great. Defense. These are we're not good, good offensive teams, so it could be a largely a function of well, not we, just that we they played, didn't they didn't shoot well. We're against, playing we're playing bad teams. I believe we ran well in terms of their opponent shooting percentage. Yeah, like their three point percentage. Clemson, they were missing Clemson, a lot of Clemson shots. was the only team that was rated in the top 50 offensively yeah. like Syracuse even though we contested every shot they're still 133rd rated offense by the way did you see Pitt scored less than 10 points and a half of basketball against UVA uh did you hear what Tony <laughs> Bennett told his team in the locker room at halftime uh what did tell him? Virginia held Pitt to seven points did they tell, did they tell him to back off he, he they held him to one of 22 shooting Tony Bennett comes into the locker room and says, Fellas, I think we gave up one too few, or we gave up a few too many open looks in the first half. <laughs> and uh, and they all cracked up. No, I, mean, I think he's serious. Nah, it had to, be, had to be a joke, man. Had to be a joke. I mean, he must be so proud of those guys. I understand he's a hard-ass defensive coach, but there's no way that... There's no way he came in and he was hard on them at halftime. Maybe he said one thing and, like... So the story got out. But, like, uh, you know, when I told you Pitt was, like, worse than those, all the, the yeah, Lilliputians we played, I, I, I meant Grease it. fire. Oh, man, terrible. And, yeah, Louisville came in, and they weren't – they didn't look like Louisville against us for whatever reason. But, you know, yeah, especially these, these are ACC teams, Peter. Especially so. concerning. They have very good players. They've got Dang Adele. They've got we, Honest Mahmoud. We played good defense against them. they got and Quentin Snyder, I believe. Uh, this is a team that last yeah. year gave us fits. Um, yeah. We we played well. We played yeah. we we played very well over the last six games for most of it. Yeah, uh, we had a bad stretch against Georgia Tech, and we blew the Virginia Tech game, not just on the court but from the bench. No doubt, I agree. I want to point out one tangential thing about the Louisville game. I was very very disappointed by this. Yeah. I just remember we rolled. I, don't, I barely remember the game. Did you see who was <laughs> sitting on the bench for Louisville? No, no, apparently not. I don't remember. Well, it was a, because we had a Duke ago. guy announce the game. Jay Billis announced the game. Yeah. Never mentioned the assistant coach sitting on Louisville's bench. Who was the assistant coach, Peter? You and your long pauses on these questions. Just fucking tell me. Greg Paulus. <laughs> oh, Greg Paulus is coaching at Louisville? Four that. years he gave to Duke. And what, they, you think it, there's a job for him at Duke? No, no, no. We I'm can't just take a job They, at they can't Louisville? say, oh, assistant coach Greg Paulus was a four-year player at Duke, you know, was captain, um, was a very promising point guard, comes comes and doesn't... Yeah, you think they mentioned You would think that would be some minor story worthy of a comment, but nothing. And I was happy to see Coach K stopped in the handshake line and gave him a few extra words, but outside of that, I... You know, you know, Paulus finished in 2009, so I'm sure none, of, nobody in the student section. It looks like he got hired. Was. Looks like he got hired on October 19th. He's basically Rick Pitino's replacement. Yes. Like well, they, they moved well, up and they oh, spot you, open. You know, up. David Padgett when he was hired, he had no assistant coaches. No, uh, I didn't realize there were no assistants yeah. left. Plus, they were also boys when they were um, playing. Um, they, you know, same. Uh, not AU team, but same circle, same training camps, and stuff like that. The Greg Paulus era at Duke is. is I like Greg Paulus. Yeah, if you don't know who Greg Paulus is, <laughs> he came in in uh, 05, played till 09. 05 to 09, his four first, year guy. His first two years were actually very good. He was a eh. point guard. He had a few games his freshman year where he dished out 13 assists. He was the starting point guard in the. J.J. Redick, uh, Sheldon Williams senior year season. He had talent. Uh, his and second year, he played great. He was the only guy who showed up to play against VCU when we lost in the NCAA tournament. And then his career took a decent nosedive after that, his junior and senior year. Well, then he transferred to Syracuse. No, no stop saying that. What? What are you talking about? He, gradu- he was a graduate. He graduated. Yes. Then he was a graduate uh, transfer. Graduate transfer. Oh my God, I got it so wrong. To yeah, after his basketball career, dude. <laughs> you're, you're painting it like I'm not uh, saying he left and like quit in ruins. on the program. Or something. No, no, he didn't quit on the basketball team, but he left and he decided he wasn't going to become a professional basketball player because yeah. he obviously wasn't quite good enough. Uh, and then he he played a year where he was a starting quarterback for Syracuse. For Syracuse. His home, it's his hometown. It's, a, it's amazing. But he was also, like, what an amazing athlete this I, guy I, was. I want to say he was like one of the top. 
quarterback um, high school a, players. He threw for a ton of yards at Syracuse, but he, he didn't make it in the pros for football. Yeah, either. no, he was recruited he, by Notre Dame to play quarterback. Yeah, yeah, he was. He's he was his career at Duke as, as it was a nice little career, I guess. It was certainly it, worthy of a mention in the broadcast. Is is my point? Is like yeah. Going, I gotta tell you, his, going going back to Devin's thing, Devin Gordon's thing, like you know, Jason Tatum. Um, yeah, you're fired up about Greg Marvin, Marvin Bagley. Like, yeah, these guys are all they bring a ton of street cred, but it's the four year guys who I have more of a connection to with the ups and downs. My connection to Greg Paul still feels dark. He, I did not, I did not particularly enjoy the four years Greg Paul was, was was playing for Duke overall. We didn't have any did you, tournament success. Did you not like him? I, I I liked him. I rooted for him. I didn't like Josh McRoberts very much. Shout out to Josh McRoberts. How is that a shout out? <laughs> no, just you know, a little little uh, wham on the head. But you know, I didn't I didn't like the way those teams. I didn't like the way those guys played defense. Honestly, I mean there was effort. Demarcus Nelson played great defense. Yeah, Josh McRoberts sure didn't. Yeah, I just I did. They just ultimately they were good players, but but not. They did they could not carry the program. They were not. They were not the star power they were they were supposed to be. And Joshua Roberts has been an interesting NBA player, but you know, he, he just he just never quite did it for me. Uh, you know, put him on my list of uh, of like guys that that broke my heart just just through like I, my memories are mostly of the painful losses. You know, and maybe uh, I'm just like oh, oh five to oh nine. Yeah, it was like uh, unfulfilled potential in a lot of those teams. I just didn't yeah. really enjoy like after Raddick, Raddick and Sheldon Williams left. Right, I didn't enjoy those those teams. Paul's junior senior year, and it may, it may not have been his fault. Well, like, he didn't play very much. It was mostly John Shire, Gerald Henderson, yeah, Kyle Singler. I, I like those young guys. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Paulus and McRoberts, I, I link in my mind. I liked Paulus. Yeah, I mean it was an unfortunate final two years. Yeah, gosh, I guess I don't remember. It seemed like he was a good shooter, and well, we don't have to get bogged down in Greg Paulus. Um, Let's 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 get into Greg Paulus's college stats real quick while we're talking about it. So it looks like he started the first three years, and his senior year he he rode the bench. Yeah, is what happened, and uh, you know he averaged eleven points his sophomore and junior year, and I know he had pretty good assist. Assist totals are not as big as I thought: three point eight, three point two after freshman year, five point two. 5.2 5.2 as a freshman is very strong. I think JJ was responsible for some of that, but um, yeah, he you know he was a scrappy guy. He didn't you know he had one year where he, he had two years where he shot three real well, and his senior year he shot 33 percent from three. So it was definitely a disappointing thing for him. Uh, but. Let's move on from Greg Paulus. Let's get back. You always deep dive into something you don't you, really want to deep dive into. You brought him up, man. I gotta take a look. We gotta remember Greg Paulus. Bam. I mean, I just thought he was mention worthy him. of a mention that never came on the broadcast. I was disappointed in Jay Billis. Okay. Who, who I love. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff to cover, but I hear you. Okay. Uh, yeah. So where are we at now, Peter? I think this team is is good. Okay. We're healthy. Yeah. So. I was, I was really, really hoping that we would win in Virginia Tech. Um, Duke had created a ton of buzz. They were like, oh, Duke's going to be a one seed. Look how good this team is playing. They're playing great D. They're extending their bench with Bagley out. Um, but now this loss, you know, because people are so results-oriented, it, that doesn't change any of the trajectory. Like, this team is... Well, that's what Coach K was saying. This team is primed that's what Coach for K was a run. Saying. Uh, I... I like you know I like the way we're playing better than I'm, I know the offense will be there yeah right and I know that I, I I can see what adjustments need to be made I hope they make a couple of adjustments on offense yes. but I I love I, I really I'm really pleased that I no longer have to just bang my head on the table while watching the game on the defensive end even if they have some breakdowns still they don't get back on transition defense a little bit. Bagley did fail to get back a couple times so but, so, so but I'm, I'm the overall yeah. you're talking about overall trajectory. They're still second in the ACC going into the Carolina game. Yeah. They beat Carolina. They're a clear second. They, they're, they're primed for a nice ACC tournament. Right. And a two-seed. Okay. I think they'll get the two-seed still unless they, they like drop you're the Carolina the, game. You're talking about the NCAA tournament? I'm talking about the tournament now. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I think the one-seed's probably flown the coop. Probably. But not 100%, but probably. Yeah. You never so, know. So here's, here's my take. 
Um, we finished. We finished up a six-game stretch where we played pretty well. Pretty well. Our defense has been very good. Our offense has struggled, um, and that's that's disconcerting. I was talking to somebody before the Virginia Tech game. They were like, you know, who do you like in this game? I'm like, well, we beat Syracuse pretty handily, but our offense was terrible. Like our shooters are not shooting the ball well. Um, UNC is going to be a very good test. You know, like people are saying Duke's found its defense. This 2-3 zone is working. I'd like to see how this defense performs against a good offense, which UNC is. Um, and the 2-3 zone against a team that has a lot of good shooters typically isn't that effective. Like, I wouldn't be that surprised if we had to switch back to man I, mean, I just wouldn't call this, you know, everyone's calling it a 2-3 zone. Zone. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. It's almost like a, they, they usually have, a, I think of 2-3 as sitting back and letting guys shoot outside shots. And that's not the way they're playing it. They're actually extending all along the perimeter. Okay. Uh, and it's almost like they're they're even matching up a little. They're right. trying to. And so the ball screens against the zone have been kind of effective. But, um, so, but yeah, I mean... UNC has four very effective three-point shooters. Tough if, matchup if, for if, us, yeah, If sure. we can defend well against them, then I'll begin to believe that we're a good defensive team. The pessimist in me knows that we're going to play UNC two out of the next three games. We're going to play them this Saturday, senior night. Grayson Allen hopefully will finish his due career victoriously. But we're gonna we're gonna face that we're gonna face UNC again in all likelihood in the semis of the ACC tournament. So that's uh, gosh, I don't know that that's a given, but uh, maybe that's is that, is that, is that's that right? definitely a given. When we beat them, they're gonna be eleven and seven, and Clemson and NC State are both ten and six with two games left. Miami and Virginia Tech are both ten and seven with one game left. I mean, for all we know, there's a five-way tie for third. I don't know how the tiebreakers shake out, but. I mean, maybe we'll play him two out of the next three games. But uh, this game is definitely on on Saturday, I'll tell you that much. And, yeah, it's a tough test. But, man, these UNC-Duke games at Duke, they're like games played on another planet. It's like all the rules go out the window. It is pandemonium every single time. And we're young. We're excitable. I think I think we're just going to thrive on the energy and I think I think we're going to be all right in this game. I don't know what kind of judgments we're going to be able to make about, you know, the team play, but hopefully they'll come together and not break apart, because we've been breaking apart when we've been stressed, you know, kind of. And and I agree. When you look back at the last stretch, you know, well we lost the last game in a, in a disappointing fashion to Virginia Tech, but before that we beat Georgia Tech by 11, Virginia Tech by 22 at home. Clemson by 9 on the road, Louisville by 26 at home, Syracuse by 16 at home, and we were beating Virginia Tech the whole game. That was a game we should have won. The game we should have won, yeah. exactly. And if we make a couple extra three-pointers or even just one more, just execute Gary a little Trent bit better shoots, down the stretch. Gary Trent just shoots 30% from three. Uh, you know, we win that game. Have you seen UNC play? They're a little scary. They just lost their last game to somebody. They um, lost to Miami. Today. Miami at home, senior night. Yeah. Senior night, people get too amped up and too emotional senior It's pretty night. delicious. Like, I, I feel like, you know, this is going to be Grayson's night. Well, Carolina also starts their bench warmers, their walk-ons on senior night if they're seniors. Yeah, but they, they yeah, they did they, that. They play them they, for a couple had, of minutes. They had an Asian kid, uh, Kane Ma. Ma. Wow. Who... How do you look? Who was on the UNC JV team for his first three years? I didn't realize there was still JV squads. Is that? Did you know that? There's actually a junior varsity team. I, I didn't realize I didn't, that was a thing. Uh, I, I was unaware. Learn something new every every day. But yeah, he's a, he was a great practice guy. He got called up this year, and he started. He was, he was actually decent, I guess. He didn't make any terrible mistakes. I mean. Guys can play, you know. I could have walked on to the team and you know played two played two minutes to start a game and just like I, I know hopefully. you I know you played some pickup with Wojo. You got some high fives from Wojo. I was the slowest. I was the slowest decent basketball player uh, on two feet at, at, at Duke for my, my undergrad career, probably. So it's gonna be Grayson's last game at at Cameron. Um, do you think he is going to be the last truly great senior who has a senior night at Cameron? No, 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 I don't think that at all. I think we're going to see, I think we're, I mean, really? this might be a good transition into, into the other stuff. I, I think we might see the end of the one on done error sometime in the next two or three years. 
Okay. And I think we're going to go back to... I think we're going to see some, some, some substantial changes in the NCAAs and, and how these kinds of things work. And uh, I think when these guys aren't dominating our recruiting class every year, we're going to look back at this era. It's going to be an interesting era. But it's, it's probably going to be a little different in a few years. I mean, we don't know. might not be. But of course there's going to be seniors. Of no, course no, we're going I, to find I know there are going Emil to be seniors. Jefferson. You mean like... But are there going to be seniors on the level of Grayson Allen? You know, he was he was a is he that good? He was a second team All American his sophomore year. Should we talk about how he's going to end up Grayson top Allen? ten all time points scored, the unquestioned leader of this team? Is he, he, had, one, of the, is he, he one of the ten best players in Duke history? No, 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 absolutely not. No, not even yeah. But he's still a great player. Good player. He's a good player. He's played great. He's had stretches where he's played great. His sophomore year was pretty great. His sophomore year, he played pretty great. No, he was really great, but... And and then one game in his freshman year, or a couple games, well, he played I mean, really he, great. He put up 30 on Wake Forest his freshman year. His junior year, he wasn't great. Not as a leader. Not not really as a player either. And even his sophomore year, you remember we played uh, Kentucky? Kentucky. And he got smushed like an ant. Against those guys, that he was a talented. Sw- he he swatted. Team. He got the ball swatted every time he took it to the to the basket. Here's my take on Grayson. You ready for it? It's going in the senior night. I'm gonna throw a little hate his way. I, I really hate. just a little bit, just a little bit. I really like Grayson. I root for Grayson. I'm 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 team Grayson. But my conclusion after 3.87 years of watching him play at Duke is that he's not the brightest basketball player. He doesn't have the highest basketball IQ. Uh, he, he has a mediocre, I think he actually has a bit of a mediocre basketball IQ. There's times when he looks like a really smart, savvy player, and he makes that pretty pretty intelligent pass, and there's times where he just makes decisions, misses open shooters, forces things. He's like, you know, he's fearless a little bit, and that's what made that, that run against Wisconsin in the title game so legendary. He came in, he had no conscience. But like, he... <laughs> And sophomore year, while things were going well, he had no conscience. But he he's in his head a lot of the time with in terms of like he lets things get get to his confidence. Just just like as anybody. an upperclassman, just like anybody. Yeah, uh, but the greatest guys didn't didn't have that, right? No, Christian they Leitner, all had it. Christian Leitner didn't have an issue with that. Bobby Hurley had no issue with confidence think? after his freshman year. Grant Hill. Grant Hill, by the time he was a senior, had no no one had poor like stretches as poor as Grayson Allen's had this year, and a junior year as disappointing as last year amongst those top 10, 15 guys in our program history. So he doesn't. I don't think he. You I know, think, as much as I like Grayson, I actually think, and I'm rooting for him, and I want him to complete. I want to win the national championship. I want him to go yeah, out like I hear you. like cutting down the nets on everyone's you. shoulders. I think you're doing a disservice to him. With I just this don't ridiculous argument that no, I'm just saying he's not one he, of the ten or fifteen he, guys. He, he doesn't deserve to have yeah, his number retired. He's probably not even top twenty. Okay, so we're on the same mind. Yeah, and I think is I think part of the reason is because of low basketball IQ. Partly basketball Lower. IQ, partly that emotional intelligence issue last year that reared its ugly head, but mostly I just think he's not. He's not a great decision maker on both ends of the court. Just not a consistently great decision maker. He plays great during stretches, and he has stretches where he doesn't play so well. Hmm. Played great against Michigan State this year. Played great in some of the, the most recent games, and you know he's had stretches where he really hasn't played great. Nobody's great all the time. I know that. Right. But he's been inconsistent, if we're being honest. That's, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So his senior game is coming up. I hope he just crushes it and makes all 15 three-pointers he attempts. <laughs> 15 you know, that w- threes. The first time he took 15 threes, I was like, that's got to be a record. Then he Did it again. put up 15 more threes. By the way, I'm good with him taking 15 threes if they're relatively open. I, I would be. I you would know? love to see what would happen if Alex O'Connell took 15 threes in a game. I'd love to see Alex O'Connell. You know what would happen? Fifteen open threes. He would make seven, at least seven of them. He would probably make at least five or six. I wonder. I mean, everybody's capable. Every every great shooter. Steph Curry has one for ten nights from three point range. Yeah, just not that often. Sure. So it's just a matter of degrees. Uh, 
Who do you think is going to win the UNC Duke game on Saturday? Who are going to be burning some benches? Do they let them burn benches anymore? I don't think so. Well, I hope we win. Do you think we're going to win? How about a prediction? What would you like to know? Are we going to win the game? Three predictions. Uh, First prediction, are we going to win the game on Saturday? Sure. Do you know what the line is? I. There's no line. There's no line? Not till the night before. Yeah, probably not. Uh, my guess would be... I think we're going to be a favorite. I think we're probably going to be like a three-point favorite. Sounds about two right. Two and a half, three and a half points. Uh, I think we win the game. I think we I think we have a lot of talent. And I think they're going to play with a lot of energy. I don't think they're going to have trouble getting back on defense against UNC at home. I think they're going to play for Grayson. And uh, I, think, I think we're going to do it. And we're going to the ACC tournament, riding pretty high. Deservedly so. And uh, I think we're going to win the ACC tournament. <laughs> and then we're going to go in as, a, as still a two seed in the NCAAs. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I think anything could happen with this team. I think they could, they could easily see them losing in the first weekend. And I could see them riding, riding all the way home if they get on a roll. So, so three, three predictions. Are they going to beat UNC, Peter? Um, sure. Yes or no? Yes? Yes. Are sure. Gonna, are they going to win the ACC tournament? Uh, I mean, you're asking me these questions. I just, I just, I'm a probability type person. Probability right. speaking, probabilistically speaking, no, they're not going to win the ACC tournament. Okay. And what seed do you think they're going to get in the tournament? Uh, two seed. A good two seed? Two seed. Okay. I don't know what a good two seed is. Easy, easy path. A good two seed is just uh, one of the higher two seeds. Doesn't have to play the overall number one. The, who, do, who do you not want Duke to play in the NCAAs? Is it too early to talk about that? Is no. there anyone you don't want to see him play? Villanova? I think Villanova's great. I think uh, Cincinnati is pretty fierce on D. I think Michigan State is good. I think Kansas is good. Cincinnati reminds me a little of South Carolina last year. Uh, Cincinnati? Yeah, just the way they play. Okay. Um, I mean, they're 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 a bunch of good teams. Yeah. Is there anyone you've been watching some college basketball lately? Is uh, is there anyone you you've Duke. seen that you think's kind of a paper paper tiger paper tiger or paper line? Uh, Arizona State is clearly a fraud. <laughs> In Bobby Hurley's last uh, post game interview, all he said, the only words coming out of his mouth is, "I'm a terrible basketball coach right now." They asked the next question. I'm a terrible basketball coach right now. They've lost like six straight games in a row. I feel like he's lost his team because like he brings the fire and brimstone. Like he's just over the top. He's getting teed up. He's, That's how his dad he's, was. He's criticizing the refs. He's like throwing his jacket. He's getting in his player's face. I feel like he might have, you know, rode him a little too hard. <laughs> so I, I saw some people, you know, on Twitter, on some of the message boards talking about Bobby Hurley as a possible next coach at Duke. Do you think Given his performance this season, do you think he's been too up and down? What, like he's shown promise as a coach, but do you do you like the theatrics? What do you think? I like Bobby Hurley. I I, I love guys who are that passionate, that um, like Buzz Williams. Yep. In the Virginia Tech game, his halftime interview. First, he was drenched like he had been in a boxing match. Um, I know he has like a sweating disorder or something, but did they clone Seth Greenberg? He's almost like out of breath. He's actually he's actually giving content to Allison Williams, the interviewer. Like he's actually conveying strategy. He can't help himself. He, he just he, he loves the game yeah. so much, and his voice is hoarse because he's yelling so much at his players and at the refs. And I just I love to see that enthusiasm, that energy, that stuff. Just I just I love that stuff. He was a big winner in that game. Not only is Virginia Tech seal. Uh, yeah, he, he, he told, a, a he told the probably a top eight to, uh, hey, stop cursing, guys. That was a great moment. Knock that off. I don't care what goes on, which is to imply that Coach K has the reps in his pocket. A younger Coach K has done the same thing in Cameron. Oh, absolutely. Several times. Absolutely, to Dean Smith. Yeah, I was I was there. For, I think I was there for one of the times. It's actually but, the exact dichotomy that, that's going on. Coach, yeah, Coach K is like, is, is like royalty. And all these young and up-and-comers have to give every ounce of their livelihood, their every everything in their being. They've got to commit to their program and their team and their players. Yeah. Coach K is is he's 
too old to do that. There, there are only four NCAA coaches who are over 70. You're not supposed to be coaching when you're 70. You're supposed to be enjoying the, the rest of your life. Um, so he can't bring that kind of energy. He's still, I mean, for his age, I mean, he's still the GOAT. But hes I don't think he's ever, you know, I think there's certain strengths he has and there's, there's always been, like, it's not like he's the best at every single aspect of coaching. And He's, in, he's in apparently the, the best at recruiting. He's apparently the best at branding and recruiting and all that these days, for sure. Uh just to make it clear, we talked about Bobby Hurley right now yeah. being like a potential, uh, you know, next Duke coach. But I, I, the, the official Duke basketball junkies position is that we feel that you 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 lead the charge on this. That there's most likely some sort of understanding that Jeff Capel is going to be the next coach. That's, that's our that's, that's just our conspiracy my theory. Personal. Why else would he spe- still, speculation. still be there? He would have gotten yeah. a big job by now, and he's pretty. Pretty fierce on the recruiting trail as well. The guy's too big to have stayed as too, an assistant for that long. Too fat? No. Oh, you mean too big? His stat, his stature. Too big, you it's, know. Uh, you know, not his physical stature. No. I know you're joking. <laughs> as uh, as uh, someone who's also gained weight since his time in college, I have, I have no room to talk. Pot calling me kettle black. Uh, but yeah, uh, we, we we both feel like that would be the route. That, that's the logical choice. Somebody else threw out Quinn Snyder. I mean, I don't see that happening, but... Tainted. As great as an X and O's coach. And by the way, we could use Quinn Snyder. If Quinn Snyder was coaching this Duke team, I think we'd be... I think our average margin of victory would be uh, at least five points higher a game. Yeah. Uh, he's just such a great X's and O's coach, and he's like put in the reps at the NBA level. Analytics. Oh, man. Numbers. Yeah, he would, he would make some changes. And Quinn Snyder would be a fantastic coach. And probably a really good recruiter, but he's tainted from his time at Missouri. And for those of you who don't remember, Quinn Snyder was an assistant in the early 90s at Duke. He was one of the four-year point guards. He was a great player. Tenacious defense. That guy played defense. Right. Um, and he... Um, got a head coaching gig. He got a head coaching early. job really very quickly. Very charismatic. At good was Missouri's guy. first job. He, he recruited a guy named Kareem Rush. Brandon Rush's brother. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, some other guys, and he quickly turned Missouri. I mean, Missouri was a decent program, but he got him to the Sweet 16. Yeah. And pretty quickly thereafter, the recruiting violations came out. And uh, he had, he, you know, I think he resigned or got fired pretty quickly. He hasn't coached college basketball since. He put time into the G League. Now he's a Utah Jazz coach. He would certainly be a, uh, a solid hire, a solid prospect. But my feeling is... They're not going that way, and I think Quinn Snyder's pretty comfortable being one of the best five or six coaches in the NBA. Right. I mean, he look what he's doing in Utah. Um, yeah. So I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Is that you know, like NBA, you don't have to recruit, and that's got to be so taxing for coaches. A different lifestyle for sure. Yeah. But um, you know. Anyhow, um, hopefully, else? hopefully, it's, should we, should we, oh, hopefully yeah. it still won't be for at least a few more years. So the thing I thought we were going to be talking about a lot on this podcast was the, the Wendell Carter being imp- implicated in the, the new revelations on the NCAA sort of like a pay-for-play scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you want to, do you want to give us a little description of what happened? Sure. What, uh, Chris, you know, when you heard the news, like what, what was the report? I was very scared. <laughs> I was very scared. Um, Basically, Wendell Carter's name was lumped in along with a bunch of other big big name players like Miles Bridges. Guys and, currently playing and previous guys. Right. Like Markel Fultz. Dennis Smith Jr., a guy who Some documentation allegedly right took like $73,000, um, $74,000. Carter, to our knowledge, the only thing he... He actually didn't do anything. His parents had a sit-down with... Uh, Christian Dawkins, who's an underling or a runner or a bag man for, for an agent. Yeah. For um, a, a guy who's like, show, you know, is like a dirty agent, essentially. Right. You know, he's broke some laws. And I think what came out was some documentation that showed expense reporting by Christian Dawkins and had a list of players and sort of how much was spent on okay. the players. And some of the line items were. 40,000, 10,000 to Marco Fultz, 70,000 to this guy, and we're not looking at it, so we might be getting the numbers just a little bit wrong. But then some of the things were just like a meal. 
like $100, $110 for a dinner or a lunch. And one of the names on the list, the only one belonging to Duke, and this is a partial list probably, was, was Carter. Right. Uh, immediately, you send a text, uh-oh. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, my God. We just saw, kind of were talking about this and, like, maybe, you know, maybe we're tainted here. Uh, my first read-through, I was like, okay, this is something an agent did. Even if there was a, a payment made, you know, it, it, it wasn't from the program and it, there's no reason to think it was endorsed by the program. Right. So that's one level that, that seemingly wasn't in the thing. And who knows what's going to come down. I mean, apparently there's a lot of stuff that's yet to be yet to be released about all sorts of programs. But uh, then it came, Then when I really looked through it, I was like, oh, this says like his mother's name and it's a small amount. So... Yeah. You know, quickly reports came out that it was just a lunch or a dinner. Right. And that um, Duke's story or the Carter's story is that they, they did agree to sit down. They quickly realized the guy was shady. Uh, the father got up and left. The mother was polite enough to stay. And they never talked to him again. Right. And there's no proof to the contrary. Uh, there's an NCAA rule that says if somebody... If somebody receives an impermissible uh, benefit under a certain amount of money, and this one qualified, then they just sort of be obligated to to pay him back. But you know, according to Wendell Carter's mother, I think she she didn't even eat the, eat the lunch. She just sat there politely and like said goodbye. Right. You know, essentially, barely heard him out and was like, you know. So I don't think there's any active, you know, there's really no active reason to be too concerned. Coach K released a statement. That just said, I'm basically I'm not worried about this. He didn't. Not, we don't think there's been any violation, and I don't think they would have like gone on the record, you know, in all those different ways. Uh, Wendell wouldn't have given interviews if if there really was something there. So this is a case, hopefully, where where there, there's smoke, there isn't necessarily fire. Yeah, I mean, clearly the people who released the article wanted to lump as many high-profile players and programs to make it seem more salacious. Well, his name is mentioned. I mean, right. the name is in the thing. Yeah. But yeah. But having said that, I'm... But some guys got unfairly lumped in. Like, Bridges yeah. and Carter both looks like it was just a meal. There's nothing about a large payment. And it comes in the in the way... And the other big one is the thing with Sean Miller and DeAndre Ayton. So huge. that was the hugest revelation huge. out of this was that... But even that is somewhat unsubstantiated. caught on a wiretap. It was like a vague report that there's a wiretap of... Dozens of hours of Sean Miller on the phone, and there's a reference to a potential payment to DeAndre Aiden, but it's unclear who said what. 100K payment. 100, yeah, and 100. allegedly, Sean Miller said, no, 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 don't go through the assistant, my assistant coach. I'll handle the money. Yeah, and if that's the case, that's but, pretty damning. Right. Sean but, Miller but there's, 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 isn't coaching right now. There's for, a lot of speculation know. that... But who knows? But that, that, that's not even... We still don't know what actually happened and what kind yeah. of actual hard evidence they have. I'm still a bit um, cynical about even the Wendell Carter parents meeting them for lunch, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, the parents claim a friend of a friend said, we want to introduce you to this guy, Christian Dawkins. Yeah. What do you think they talked about? I don't have no idea. I mean, they're not talking about the weather. They're not... I mean, like, they're they're claiming that they, they just... Meant for a meal. Yeah. But Christian Dawkins, like, it's... I mean, what do you think? He just opens up the conversation, like, in the dirtiest way possible? I think, you know, I just have... I have no idea what happened at, I just... at the lunch, but what I'm saying is I feel like the parents are painting themselves as a bit naive. You know, like, I just, I don't know. Well, who knows? Who yeah, knows what... Exactly. What, exactly. Who knows? Right? Exactly. Who knows? But, but, but when you meet somebody like Christian Dawkins, like, what do you think is going to happen at the It's at certainly the worse that he's been mentioned, and it's worse that that meeting happened, and it's out, than if, like, they had never met the guy. Right. Right? So, like... Right. But it does... There's no reason... There's really no... You know, there's no reason to suspect... To expect that there's there's any anything more to come, given the way they handled this. I mean, I thought they handled it as well as could be handled. Yeah, in terms of evidence, yes, I would agree with you. There are other people who believe that just 
Every, some people believe that, it's just everybody's, that everybody's dirty, dirty. Everyone's that getting it, paid. That, that this is just sure. how it is. You know, and like everyone. I have no, you know, you know and and this is just one guy. This is just sure. one underling. What about all the thousands of others? All the other shoe companies, and you know, yeah. maybe that's just how the game's played. And by the way, I think players should be able to be paid. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know. It's not, I don't know why agents can't sign guys before they go to college, and. Give them advances, or pay them, or give them benefits. Like, if you're if you're they, good enough they to probably be, do. Well, and it's to me they, they should be able to. Yeah. This idea of amateurism is just, I mean, it's bullshit. Right. You know, the NCAA makes so much money. The programs make so much money. The coaches make so much money. The freaking TV announcers make so much money. The referees are making, eh, money, but it's like. People want to paint Miles Bridges and Carter as like you know, and they didn't do that much. But like Somehow, even Aiton, yeah. like Aiton's like you know like shady now. Yeah. When he's just looking out for his family and like he's about to become a multimillionaire. LeBron went on the record today, saying like the NCAA needs to check themselves because one, what do they expect? Two, like they should get paid. You know, it's right. BS every year that they. They make a billion dollars in TV revenue, and none of it really. True. Everyone gets an education, sure, but especially in the one and done scenarios, and and the high profile athletes that we know are going to be lottery picks and first round draft picks. That I, I just you mean, you mean like our entire starting lineup every year, <laughs> mostly, right? Uh, I don't think the program. I don't think Duke or the NCAA has to pay the players. I don't know. There's a really fair way to do that. Yeah, but. I don't know why they're stopping them from from making money in other ways. I don't know why I can't those guys can't sell t-shirts or have a website or get an advance from an agent or sign a contract yeah, I was, I was when actually, other sports can do it. I was actually thinking about Zion Williamson. He's got like a over a million Instagram followers. Can he monetize that? I don't he's not allowed. He's not allowed to. Right? Yeah, he'd be ineligible and right. it's it's, okay. it's 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 and I don't know. It, it's crazy. Yeah. Like it makes no sense in today's day and age. This isn't the fifties anymore. Yeah. This isn't the you know you look at the Olympics. The Olympics didn't allow professional athletes. The Olympics are all professional athletes these days. I don't know if there's professional curlers or not. But uh <laughs> but like times have changed and Mark Emmert, the head of the NCAA, he comes just, off as the just, biggest goon of all just, time. Comes off like an a absolute straight fraud. Buffoon. A pure straight fraud. And Everybody should follow Jay Billis on Twitter just to see him hammer this guy over and Every over again. Every day. Every day. He's <laughs> just like a personal pinata Jay Billis. He's exactly right. It's fantastic. And but, but when is but it? Billis, Hopefully it's going to change. But Billis does say until it changes, he's still a rules guy. You know, yeah, the, the rules program, are there, the, and if you violate the rules, then, you know, the programs there have should to be follow consequences. The rules. Yeah. There's no doubt. Right. And, you know. Anyway, I think it's enough about that, and we'll we'll see what keeps happening. Did you want to get into Sean Miller at all? Or, no, yeah. not not really. But I I did want to say that you know after Rick Pitino and Bruce Bowen and the firing and the, the athletic director Jurich, um, you just knew that the other shoe was going to fall at some point. It fell. It's going to continue. I, 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 to I fall. forget what day it was. It was Friday or Saturday, and it was just like it was very salacious. It was very. I mean, I thought it was pretty entertaining, but. It's not cool for kids' names to be dragged through the mud and everyone to look at them differently because that money always is sort of like a corrupting influence, especially when it's like two bricks of cash. You know, like we're here, creating a black market. There's a need, yeah, and there's an opportunity, yeah. And we're, you know, if you know, if we're the NCAA, we're creating, you know, as a society, I'll say, sure, we're creating this situation, and vacuums are unsustainable. So of course stuff's gonna happen. Right. It, it just makes sense that it would, and for us to you know look down on the activity from the player side. Yeah. It, it's hard. It's hard to assign any real like moral blame to any of them. Uh, you know that that said, I don't want to see anyone mess with sort of Duke's reputation. Like you know, Corey Maggette got uh, money from got, like an AAU. Yeah, it came out that Corey Maggette got got some money back in '99 before. Before he went pro, 
uh, I think it was in high school, it was before he got to Duke. Right. And uh, we actually didn't get any games stripped or anything. Well, we could have. There was some yeah, there we was got... some cloud over what would have happened if we had won. Yeah, and back then, even back then, I, I never I never were... thought to myself, boy, Corey McGetty, how dare he? Yeah. You know, like of course that it, guy. It was be, it was it was always more like, well, of course, yeah. probably it happens all the time. Um, there's just no evidence of it, you know, or the evidence of it is is, you know, people cover it up. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> just a little like uh, in-house promo. If you if you want to hear the the best Corey McGetty story from uh, from Ricky Price, listen to, to his interview with us. Uh, the Ricky Price interview from this summer. He tells an incredible Corey McGetty preparing for the draft story and what the key factor in him being a lottery pick after his freshman year was. It's a very very surprising. I didn't didn't expect him to tell us that. Remember that story? I don't remember this story. It involved a drink of water. <laughs> I still don't remember. You have a perfect memory, man. Yeah. It involved a drink of water. Go back and listen to the episode, Peter. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. This weekend. Hopefully high on a UNC ass whooping. I hope so. All right. Because I'm scared. <laughs> All right. Go Duke and go to Hell Carolina. Yeah. It would be great if Carolina went to Hell on Saturday night. Deep down. <laughs> <laughs>